Hi, this is Peter Schwartz, public address announcer for the Cosmos, and you're listening to the First Team Podcast. With your host, John Frashante. Hello Cosmos Country, welcome back. On this week's episode, we're going to review the Cosmos draw against Ottawa Fury. We're going to preview the matchup at the weekend against Jacksonville Armada. We have Clayton Freeman coming on the show to talk about Jacksonville Armada. And later on in the show, we have Michael Carney to help us discuss the future of the NASL and also... The championship final. There's some news today, and it has been around for the past couple of months that the Cosmos probably can't host the final because they don't know where they're going to play it. Are they going to sell their rights to their opponent, or are they going to find a temporary home for the championship final match? That's later on in the show. But first things first, I want to thank everyone for being patient. I finally got my computer back, and now we can finally produce this wonderful podcast for all of the listeners, or for Cosmos Country, and for Cosmos supporters worldwide. So I really appreciate that, and I really miss doing this podcast. And it's so fun, and it's so fun talking about the team that you love, the New York Cosmos. So once again, I want to say thank you to all our listeners out there. I put a question on Facebook, which is you can send in any questions about the future of the NASL and so on, so we will read those at the end of the show. But the first things first, or the second thing, is that's review Otto Fury, New York Cosmos. It was a tough match, and it was a very interesting match as well. The Cosmos would have beat them, they would have just eliminated them from the postseason, but they are still alive, a very, very, very very small chance, but they are still alive. And, uh, it was a Sunday afternoon match. That's a great time to kick off, especially for the Canadian sides. For some reason, they play on Sunday afternoons. But nevertheless, uh, Jimmy Maurer, he gave up the first goal. And in the beginning of when Jimmy Maurer took over as goalkeeper after Kyle Rennish a couple of seasons ago, he was a bit shaky. He wasn't this uh, star player. He wasn't this quality goalkeeper. And... With experience and with time, he became a quality goalkeeper. And this was just one mistake on his part. He didn't boot the ball. He didn't kick the ball down the field. He passed it to Ruben Bover. And it never got to him. It got to uh, an Ottawa Fury player. And he made sure he put that in the back of the net. And that's what put the Cosmos down one to nothing. It was a bad giveaway. It was a bad decision on Jimmy Maurer. 
it happened. And for the second half, they were trying to get that goal. And the Fury defense was really good. And the only way the Cosmos got their goal back was Andres Flores running down the wing, crossed it right to Adam Moffitt. Moffitt missed, hit it with his foot. And then he headed the ball to Arango, and Arango got his head on it very strong and put it in the back of the net and put the Cosmos up 1-1. It was a great match. It wasn't three points, but when you're on the road, you expect to get at least a point. And that's what we got from the Fury matchup. If Jimmy Maurer didn't mess up, then we probably would have had three points in the bag. And it's so important because now, even though we clinched for the postseason... It's still important because you want to secure your fall season victory or your your title. You want to get that shield probably at home against Miami FC if other results go our way. If they don't, if the Cosmos keep on dropping points like this, then other teams can come behind us and take the fall season title from us. And then we can't host a semifinal and we don't have these rights as a club to do the things that we want. Number one, to clinch a postseason berth. And two, is to fight hard to host something, to host the semifinal, to host the championship final, no matter where it's going to be. But that's why the team was fighting hard, even though we clinched a postseason spot. This Saturday, we have a matchup against the Jacksonville Armada. It's going to be a tough match. And a cool, cool stat here, some history... The Jacksonville Armada, they beat us. And the only time we played them at Community First Park, and they beat us 1-0. And I remember watching that match, and the stream wasn't working on Warm World Sports. And just everything was going wrong that night. I had to listen to it on the radio, Jacksonville's radio stream online. And I got to hear the Armada beat the Cosmos which was not a great time, but this is going to be the first time this season that the Cosmos are going to travel to Jacksonville. So hopefully we can right that wrong and get the three points and beat the Armada. They are going to play spoilers. They are in last place, not even in the postseason picture, and it's going to be a very interesting match. Uh, It's going to be fun. And now we have Clayton Freeman to talk about the Jacksonville Armada. I'm joined by Clayton Freeman, who covers the Jacksonville Armada for Florida Times Union. How are you today, Clayton? Just great. I'm drying out after hurricanes swept through last weekend. It, you know, the Armada, of course, has four game or four day delay for this for tonight's game, so they've got four games in a pretty quick period of time. That's just uh, talk about that. Uh, you are playing tonight. You play the Cosmos on Saturday. And then you have another match the following week, midweek, I believe, as well against Miami. So that's tough times for the Armada with no playoffs. For them, for any team that will have to play four games in that span of time, of course, they're all at home, or the next three are at home. They've been out playoff race for a little while. I wish it wasn't until last week they were mathematically um, ruled. Yeah, and that's very dangerous for the New York Cosmos as well because you don't want uh, to lose some matches because they're trying to when the fall season, when the Cosmos traveled to Community First Park, uh, you guys beat us a couple of times, I believe, or once, if I recall. Uh, yep. But we beat you here at Hofstra, uh, but it's going to be on your turf. So uh, what do you 
thinking going into the matchup? Well, it's going to be always one of those challenging things when you have one team that is already safely in the postseason, one that is out of it. Um, the Certainly the Armada has changed a lot since the teams met um, in July, the, the um, 3 one for the Cosmos that was very early in the fall season with Flores and Diosa and um, Adamatha all on the scoreboard for that one for the Cosmos. But it's is something also for the Cosmos, which they have never won in Jacksonville. They haven't played here yet this season. Both previous games have been um, at um, Hofstra um, this season. Last year, they their only game in Jacksonville, they lost on the goal by um, Tommy Krizanovich, one of the mm-hmm. local players actually from Jacksonville, who was on the team at that point for the Armada. And certainly something that I'm sure the Cosmos will try to exploit to what extent they can is the potential um, fatigue factor, and that it will be for the Armada only 72 hours after their previous game. I would expect there to be a few changes um, from what what we see tonight because there will be, I'm sure, some tired players out there. So the Jacksonville Armada, they've changed managers for their past couple of seasons that they've been around. Uh, Do you think that's a problem for the team because they can't uh, keep consistency within their squad? They're certainly going to be looking to try to get stability going because it is something... Obviously, when last year you look at the having two having two different head coaches, then an interim coach, then another coach to start this year, and now yet another coach. You're talking you're looking at five coaches within the space of not yet two years, and that's that's not what you're generally shooting for. So that so bringing in that stability and keeping things settled is very much a priority for the Armada heading forward. Yeah, for sure. You need that consistency if you want to be a contender in the postseason. Thank you, Clayton, for coming on the show, and uh, best of luck watching the Armada. Enjoy the action this weekend. Thanks to Clayton Freeman for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. These are the keys to the match for the Cosmos to get the three points. Number one is to score first, because if the Cosmos can score first then it can put a lot more pressure on the Armada. Even though we're playing on the road, the Cosmos have some type of nerve when we go away. We're just so nervous. I don't know what it is. Even against the Fury, a team that is really not competing for a postseason title, they're not really in the hunt. They are, but not um, sort of like how Miami is and how Edmonton was at the weekend. And we struggle against them because it, it was our mistake. So we can't give away anything against the Armada. Jimmy Maurer has to be uh, smarter and stronger. Um, So if he doesn't give anything up like that, and if the team does not make a lot of mistakes, then we can win the match. But score first. Jacksonville Armada are going to play spoilers, so we have have to watch out for that. The second, I mean, the third thing is they're playing a handful of matches in the, in the next couple of days. So as we record this, they're playing tonight, Wednesday night, midweek. They're playing Saturday night. Then they're playing the following uh, Wednesday as well. So that's three matches in a couple of days. Not not good for a team, but 
they're not making the playoffs. So they're fighting for their jobs for next season, and that's why they're going to be trying to beat the Cosmos to make more history and to just fight for their jobs. Like I said, Mark Lowry, he got handed the manager job. He had the interim job, and then he got handed the full job. So he's going to be looking to make some changes in in the offseason, and he needs to sort of build his squad up from this season. So it's going to be a very interesting team and a very interesting match. Jacksonville Armada have gone through so many managers. And it's really hard as a fan to sort of see a consistent team, consistent players, and a lineup and things like that. And we're thankful to have Giovanni Savarese be so successful. Because if he wasn't successful, they would be going through managers like no tomorrow. You would see players come in and out. And that's not how you run a soccer club. Jacksonville Armada, they went through so many managers. And hopefully they can stick by Mark Lowry. Hopefully he can produce the results on the pitch. Because you want to see every single team in this league do very, very well. And that's why I want to see the Armada do well. But not at the weekend against our New York Cosmos. Because... You really don't want to see the boys in green to give up any more points. We gave up two more points on the road. Uh, We have Jacksonville at the weekend. We have Miami uh, at a home, the last home match. Everyone in the local area should be at that match. There's no reason why you will not be there. There's $10 tickets. There's a, a Cosmos deal, $10 tickets for any single seat in the house, even the midfield seats as well, which go for $90. So go check that out. It's on. It's a first-come, first-served basis. Uh, and it's going to be a great match. Miami FC, you can see former Cosmos players, Hunter Freeman, Gabriel Farfan. You can see um, Michael Hood as well. So it's like a homecoming. And it's going to be fun to see those those, those players that, uh, that play for the Cosmos, that put on the Cosmos shirt. And it could be... An important match for Miami FC because they're trying to get into the fourth seed. And maybe by then, they will clinch that fourth seed. Maybe they will make some history against the Cosmos. Who knows? But it's going to be a very interesting match. Two more matches left after Saturday. So it's it's not that many matches, but so many things can happen. There's tons of teams that are trying to uh, clinch a spot into the postseason. And the Cosmos need to keep winning if we want to secure the fall season title and I really hope we do it home but if not we're going to do it at Minnesota United the last game of the season on the road so hopefully we can lift that shield at home but nevertheless that's when the fall season that's hosted semifinal and it just came out today the NASL released their dates and it's very interesting because the only team so far that that knows when they're going to host it is in the 11 and because they won the spring season and we all know that the Cosmos, they had to beat Fort Lauderdale on, on the last match day of the f- spring season and they just didn't beat the Strikers. The Strikers made history and it was the first time that they beat the New York Cosmos. So again, not a great day to remember, but the Indy 11, they have a date set in stone they're going to play their semifinal 
on Saturday, November 5th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time at Carroll Stadium in Indianapolis, Indiana. And the fall season title comes with the right to host the other semifinal. And here are the details for each club should they end up on top. New York Cosmos, if they win the fall season, they will play their semifinal Saturday, November 5th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time at Short Stadium. So, re- so remember here, if the Cosmos win the fall season, they will host their semifinal at Hofstra Short Stadium. But the final could be somewhere else. If FC Edmonton have the right to host their semifinal, then they will play on a Sunday, November 6th, and the time is not released. It is to be dated. And if Miami FC comes out of nowhere and just knocks FC Edmonton and New York Cosmos off, then they will play on Saturday, November 5th at 8 p.m. Eastern at Ocean Bank Field. Of course, that's in Miami. So go either way. Like I said earlier, if the Cosmos keep on dropping points, FC Edmonton and Miami keep on winning, then we won't host anything. But hopefully the Cosmos win some matches and hopefully secure a fall season title. That's what we want to see. And the last thing that I'm going to talk about right now is should the Cosmos sell their rights to their opponent if they win the semifinal and if they can host, if they host the semifinal and if they don't know where they're going to play the final and say, for example, they're playing Indy 11 and I understand that you shouldn't sell any rights to host a final because it's a revenue stream and it's home field advantage. And that's something that the Cosmos really have. You can't say, well, if you go to Indy, we are going to win a match. No, we went to Indy in the fall season and we lost 3 nothing. We, we went to Indy in the spring season and lost as well. So maybe selling the rights is not a good idea. But if you look at it as a long-term plan... Maybe you could take that money and invest it in, into the team for next season. Maybe we can buy a handful of players, for example, in some positions. Maybe we can secure a home for next season and the coming seasons with that money. I'm not trying to say that the Cosmos don't have a lot of money and they need a lot more money. But what I'm trying to say is I think it's a bigger picture. And I think a lot of Cosmos supporters are just saying, we need to host the final this season. I understand that because we need home field advantage and we're great at a home. And I re- remember last season, and you you can feel the atmosphere, and that's only a cup final atmosphere. You can't get that at Cosmos versus Miami FC or Cosmos versus Tampa Bay or any other team in the league. You don't get that atmosphere at Hofstra University at all, but you get that at a cup final or, or at a semifinal. I remember the Strikers at MCU Park. That was a nice semifinal. It was a Sunday afternoon, and it was very exciting. Or maybe it was a Saturday. I don't really really remember. But it was a great, great day as well. So home field advantage, I really understand. But we need to look in, in the big picture, and you can tweet us at one scene pod with your, uh, with your opinion because I really want to hear what you guys think about that. But please... Think about it, give it a couple of hours, and just think about the, the the big picture and just come back and tweet about what you think. So let's move on and just look at the championship and how it looks right now. 
the cosmos as it stands today. And this changes every single day with people winning and losing and so on. And it's going to change for the next two weeks as well. Cosmos are in the first seed. So if the season ended today, Cosmos would play Minnesota United at home on Saturday night at 7 p.m. But that could change. Indy 11 against FC Edmonton and Indy would host that matchup. That's set in stone that Indy 11 would host a semifinal matchup. But we don't know who they're going to play. And we don't know who the Cosmos are going to play as well either. So it's going to come down to probably the, the last match day or maybe the second to last match day of the season. But nevertheless, let's move on and let's talk about the future of the NASL and a lot more about the league with Michael Carney, who has his own Indy 11 blog, which you guys should go read if you want to know more about Indy 11 and more about the NASL. I'm joined by Michael Carney to discuss the future of the NASL. He has his own blog called The Lady Victory and Her Quest to Glory. How are you tonight, Michael? Uh, I'm doing well, thank you. I'm so happy to have you on to talk about the NASL. I'm a bit concerned. I'm a bit nervous about the future of the league. Uh, according to Bill Peterson, or but before we get there, there was supposed to be a Board of Governors meeting, right? There is not a Board of Governors meeting. There was a summit with the owners. And then Bill Peterson, and this was uh, from Sports Illustrated, Bill Peterson said that the discussions were both positive and productive, and many of the agenda items were largely focused on the league's long-term vision. At least they got together around a table and spoke about the future, right? Or Right, right. Uh, I mean, the, the thing that I got out of it was they, they said what they were supposed to say, in a very PR, public relations way. I mean, they're not going to come out and say it was just absolutely horrible or horrifying. They're going to say as much positive things that came out of it uh, as as much as possible without giving too many details into what, what actually happened. Um, what I thought was the caveat of the whole uh, ordeal was that they brought in a lot of people and a lot of leadership from Silicon Valley um, which, of course, has a major connections with the uh, San Francisco Deltas that are going to be coming into the league um, next year. I, I thought that was the real key point that they made, that they brought in these people with leadership skills and things that they can hit home that really the MLS and USL have really failed to do um, in those terms. And what I mean by that is if they bring in Silicon Valley um, they can enhance the stats that they already have and bring in technology and leadership skills and styles and different ways of recruiting and getting mm -hmm. in talent within the league and having a more stable league um, in more of a, I guess, millennial 21st century point of view from economics and branding and marketing and, and so on and so forth. So that's what that was like the big the big caveat that I took away or the big main point that I took away from it was because I, I thought the rest of it you know, Bill Peterson just, you know, simply gave us what we wanted to hear um, because that's what he was, I mean, that's what the league was going to say in the first place anyway, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Do you think there was negative things going on in these conversations, maybe some teams that just didn't want to be there anymore within the league? I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know about that. I mean, I can only speculate, and we can only speculate and yeah. say. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. It, yeah, probably. I'm sure there were disagreements on things, or 
so on and so forth. But, I mean, because at the end of the day, every club is looking out for the best interest of themselves. And um, I think that's the problem with the league is that we're not all working together. It's more of the Rowdies want to stay around. The Cosmos want to try to stay around for a long time. You know what I mean? It's not like right, everyone's right. coming together and saying, we're going to be the strongest league for 50 more years. And then we're going to just become a massive tradition in American soccer. Right. But at the same time, I think they're trying to go away from the traditional American sports leagues where, uh, or for example, MLS, where they're all basically central and focused around Mm -hmm. the league. Uh, Same thing with the NFL, even though, um, you know, teams pay their players individually, not like the MLS where the league really pays for their uh, players, but I, I mean, they're, you know what I mean? That everybody's yeah, yeah. looking out mm-hmm. for themselves first and foremost. But what I was trying to say was to that before the league, mm-hmm. no, but what I, I was trying to say was that I, I believe that we can still be an open league and still work together. You, you, you know what I mean? Like all the right. owners yeah. be on the same page. Right. And I, I think that's what was the, I mean, a big takeaway from, the meeting as well, the summit, I should say, and bringing in the different styles of leadership um, that have worked with places like Apple and Google mm-hmm. and so on and so forth, kind of the, the, the leading edge of, um, you know, technology and um, economics and really brand names that have worked for really quite quite a while now and why they've been so successful and why can't the NASL be successful. It feels like the Deltas, once they joined the league, it feels like they just made the league like uh, more professional. You know what I mean? Like they helped verify all the teams on Twitter and on social media, and they have a lot more connections in the tech world uh, in California. So that's a great yeah, team to I, have in the I, league. I, I, you bring up a good point, and that is that every team brings in their own I guess, brand and um, their own style to the league. You know, and obviously I don't think the NASL would have survived this long if it wasn't for the New York Cosmos having that brand name that everybody can recognize. Uh, I, I don't think that the TV deals and the media deals would have gotten done if it wasn't for Miami FC. Um, and the same thing with the Deltas bringing in Silicon Valley uh, people in, you know, I mean, every team brings in their own different style. We can go on the list of, of what every team has brought, but yeah. uh, you know, um, so yeah, that is a really good point. But still talking about the owners trying to bring everything to the table, you have a very strong owner in Bill Edwards, and then you you think he's a strong owner. He pours a lot of money into his team, and he cares about the league, like he. Um, spoke about the the refs. They even made a video that they called a mixtape. He got fined for it and things like that. But he's right. a cool owner to have around. But then you hear, and I don't know how true it is, that the Rowdies might want to join USL, probably because they don't know how certain the NASL's future is. But wouldn't you think an owner like that, we really need to have him around for the future? Um, yeah, you really do. Uh, you want owners that are hands-on. You want owners that are visible and make comments and, um, you know, headline press, so to speak, or, or make that, that quote that 
other leagues cringe about and makes the league uh, fine you for or mixtapes as, as the example of the Tampa Bay Rowdies, but you know it, it makes the uh, fans and the people within the organization really believe in the product that you're putting out on the field and, and in the community. Uh, I, I mean, everybody has to have, I think, one of those uh, owners to really make that team or that league unique. You know, you look at the you know baseball. You have the Yankees uh, and George Steinber- Steinberger when he was around. Uh, the NFL. You had. Al Davis, when he was around, now his son. Um, mm. You know, you always have to have that one villain in every league. Um, and I think that that's what, that you know, Bill Peterson has done, or Bill Edwards, I'm sorry, has has done yeah. uh, with the Tampa Bay Rowdies has, has kind of filled that void, I guess you could say. Yeah, I would not want to see the Rowdies leave at all. They're like a rival, and we need that owner in the league. And to right. be a very strong person as well to lead the uh, to lead the league forward, something that makes me really nervous. And again, a lot a lot of media outlets are trying to get big off of this. Sports Illustrated, I mean, they're already big, but uh, there's this media outlet they're called SF Gate. Check them out, and they had a article recently, and they said that up to five teams can leave the league, the twelve team league. And if you think about that. That can crush the NASL unless we have uh, some teams trying to come in the league maybe for 2018 or 2017. But what do you feel about this, Mike? Five teams leaving? Uh, I mean, really the only one that that is actually absolutely confirmed is going to happen is Minnesota United. They're Mm going to go up and and move up to the uh, uh, MLS. Um, you know, it's a, it's a wait and see kind of deal with Tampa Bay and the Ottawa Fury. Uh, rumors have been very strong, and have lo- a lot of reliable sources have said that they're going to join uh, USL, whether that is for financial reasons or whatnot, or they have you know bigger plans in the future. Um, you know, Raya OKC and the Fort Lauderdale Strikers have have gone on some financial hard times, um, and that's been reported, which have always stirred. You know some rumors there, um, and then you. I think the, there's a couple other things that you have to throw in there, and that's the Canadian League. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If and when that ever gets up and running, um, there's always going to be rumors of obviously teams wanting to come in. Chicago is obviously one. Uh, Philadelphia is another one. Um, you know, t- so I mean, will the NASL survive if they leave? And other teams come in, yeah, for the short term. Uh, Long term, that's not good if teams are are continually doing that. Um, You know, Indy 11, I've been following the league since Indy 11 joined in their first season in 2014. uh, And it was said that Oklahoma and Virginia were going to join, and that that never happened. So there's two teams that went away, and then – Atlanta came and gone, and so there's there's been several teams that have come and and gone, um, you know, since just in a short period of time. Um, I, I don't know. I I think, I mean, in ten years from now, I said on um, Teo Gautier's, um podcast NASL Nightcap um, towards the beginning of the season that the NASL will be holding on by sure thread or extinct in ten years. Um, I, I think that's still going to be the case. Just the way U.S. soccer and Canadian soccer are are moving towards, um, 
you know, but I would like to see the same teams stick around for the next 10 years and have the same stable teams stick around for that time instead of having teams come and go as they please or jump ship or go extinct, so to say, or never even get up and running. Um, But I will say that the one thing that the NASL has going for them in a positive light is their talent. I think the talent with the coaches, on the field talent that is, with the coaches um, and players are are on par with those of MLS and USL. Um, Any NASL team can beat any MLS team. Any MLS team can beat the other two. Uh, USL can beat anyone and, and so on and so forth. So on in, on any given day, really. Um, you saw that last year and you saw that this year. So, I, I mean, that's the one thing that, you know, the NASL does have going for them and should have going for them here in the next several years. You brought the question up yourself. Is the NASL better than the USL competition-wise or no? I personally, I think they're on par. Um, I know I tweeted earlier this year that, you know, the, there's no reason why the USL teams can't beat NASL teams. Um, just from what I've seen, uh, I watched Louisville quite a bit this year. Um, watched a couple of Bethlehem steel games, watched a couple of Sacramento, uh, games. I, I mean, there's no reason why they can't beat NASL teams and no reason why NASL teams can beat, uh, MLS teams. I, I mean, so I, I think the talent pool is large, as large as it's ever been. It's only going to continue to grow for U.S. soccer and Canadian soccer. Um, but and it's the talent. But the talent right now is pretty well even. But don't you think some NASL fans are like, well, the USL half of their league is reserve teams and teams uh, MLS two teams. Does that hurt competition in the USL, or do you think it makes it better? Uh, um, the only part that I see that hurts and helps, mm-hmm. it hurts one because I, I don't think there's a threat in U.S. soccer culture right now that says to a player or to a coach in that matter, if you are not performing – then you're going to go down to the reserve team or to our affiliated team. Mm -hmm. And if you're performing, then you should be rewarded. Um, There isn't isn't that going on right now. And I think that that in some ways does hurt, yes. But at the same time, it does help those those players who – um, are late bloomers or went undrafted um, or went to that small D2 school or D3 school that was overlooked um, but could make a USL team really help them develop their talent and really hone in on their skills um, and, and really help them. So, I, I mean, I see some pros and cons to the whole thing. And also uh... – people view it as a minor league as well because of the reserve teams as well. So I really don't know. If you have a team that you like, then you're going to support that league, right? So I don't know. Right. Yeah. So Yeah, and that's. I think that's the other thing that's really hurting U.S. soccer is like even though I support Indy 11, like I'm – I'll still watch MLS. I'll still watch USL. Yeah. Um, I'll still watch any league in the in, in the country 
if there's a soccer, whether that's high school, college, professional, semi-pro, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't have any hard feelings. Well, I, sorry, I'm a, I'm an NASL fan. I believe in pro rel. I'm not going to watch MLS. Like, I'm not that person. I love soccer, and I think anybody who loves soccer should watch soccer of any of any level, regardless of what league they're in. So, th- to me, it's just about why don't we just love soccer first? Um, that's the kind of mentality that I have. Like, I don't. I'm not going to um, put myself in a little box and say I can only do these so, so many things and watch so many of these games because the other ones are just trash or junk. Like I'm not I'm not going to do that. I may disagree with some of the leagues and some of the teams and maybe some of the policies that they do, but I'm I, I am a love soccer first person rather than a you know against pro-rel or pro-rel or against MLS or against lower league teams or what have you. Like, that's just, that, that's just me. I feel like sometimes I'm in the minority when I say that. Um, but that's just me. So what do you have to say, right? To the MLS supporters that hate the NASL, right? And once the news broke from sports illustrated that the league might go under, what do you have to say to those MLS supporters that don't want to support NESL or don't want to support any league or team outside of MLS? Um, I think my message is be is that you don't realize how fragile uh, the U.S. soccer culturally, how fragile it is, soccer is in the United States. You just don't realize it. Um, and it's a very MLS is a very limited sample size, uh, and they're only going to reward a certain amount of cities, uh, if, teams. If, if you have the money um, as well, right? If you have that money, of course. You, you know, we talk about hundred million. hundred million dollars is is I I can never imagine having a hundred million dollars to pay to get into a league and just but throw it away. NHL, but yeah, but Las Vegas is getting ready to pay. The North, um, you know, the National Hockey League, they're going to repay them $500 million. So, wow. it's, you know, um, so I, sometimes I kind of like laugh about, you know, we say it's ridiculous yet all the other leagues happen to pay three to five times more than what MLS teams do. But, um, you know, you don't realize how fragile the soccer cultural culture is in the United States. And on top of that, you don't, I think, realize how deep the talent pool is in the United States when it comes to soccer. Even though we may not have our best athletes or our best players playing soccer, there's still a large sample size that we can choose from to go play for the U.S. women's national team or the U.S. men's national team. Because at the end of the day, the ultimate goal Regardless if you are a USL fan, an NASL fan, an MLS fan, you like high school over club or club over high school, or you like college, the ultimate goal at the end of the day is that you make these coaches coach the way they do and players make them play the way they do in order to do the ultimate goal, which is support the U.S. national team. It shouldn't be about, you know, getting that 
Division One scholarship or my team is better than yours or my league is better than yours. The ultimate goal is to help the U.S. national team, whether that be men's or women's. That should be the ultimate goal. And for a lot of countries, it is the ultimate goal, and that's why you're seeing them so successful. That's why you're seeing the German national team so successful and consistent throughout all these years is because at the end of the day, some players may not produce or play as much for their club team, but when it comes time to put on that national team jersey, they're going to produce because they have to because they've been told this whole time this is the ultimate goal and this is why you're here um, and, and so on and so forth. But the problem is that you're totally right, Mike, but uh, Jurgen Klinsmann really does not look past MLS or abroad for selection for the national team. So maybe it will come – or I'm mistaken there. He picked Miguel Ibarra for what, a couple of friendlies, right? Uh, but he plays yeah, for I, I Club mean, Leon yeah, now. And that so. just, I mean, I look at Bob Bradley when he was coaching the team, and he brought a lot of players in that were based here in the United States, or at least my opinion, whereas Jurgen Klinsmann said – why don't we bring in more players that are abroad, um, maybe born in the United States, born as a U.S. citizen, but live in a, a different country? I mean, there's there's different ways of looking at it. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I know Jurgen doesn't always like Jurgen Sumner. I'm sorry, Jurgen Klinsman. Jurgen Sumner coached the Indy 11 team. Jurgen Klinsman coached the U.S. Uh, men's national team. Um, you know, Klinsman. I, I don't think. I don't think he likes the US, MLS policies, and a lot of times U.S. soccer and MLS are, are not always on the same page or not always looking at the same goals, which the ultimate goal should be uh, to supply these players and coaches for the national team, which I don't think is always always the case. But if Jurgen Klinsmann would, would make a huge statement and just pick players all from the NASL or, or some of the players from the NASL except MLS, that would be a massive statement to U.S. soccer. But it would never happen. Yeah, yeah it, absolutely, it absolutely would be. But uh, to a fair extent, though, I, I go back on what I previously said, there's no threat right now to yeah. players mm-hmm. and coaches. And so their training regiment and their training styles – is not one that has a little bit of fear in it and that if you don't perform, then here's where you're going to be in the coming weeks. If you do perform, here's what's going to, you know, here's what you can do or here's what you are capable of doing. So I, I just, you know, I, I can, I can see that because he has made comments of the training regiments in Europe are quite different and more rigorous than, the MLS and I, I know some players have who have made those comments that said, "Look, I wasn't ready for having soccer as a job." Whereas here it was just fun. Now I go to a different country and it's an actual job where it's not life or death. But if mm-hmm. I don't perform, then I'm I'm essentially out of a contract and out of a job. Yeah, I just think MLS, U.S. men's national team—they're so relaxed. You know what I mean? No one cares. Okay, I lose. Okay, I still have a second, third, fourth, fifth chance, but. In some countries, right. that just doesn't happen. Uh, let's move on and move the chat towards Neil, Bor- Neil Morris. He has his own podcast called the Inverted Podcast. And he had the guy that uh, Rayo, I mean, Rayo Vallecano, he sent over this guy. And this is the guy that he had on the show to do all his dirty work and all that to, to sort of put the team back on track, right? So 
tons of things came out in this interview. He tried to right all the wrongs. The wrongs he was trying to say was that the the local group, the managing partners, they didn't pay the school from day one. They never paid the school. So this guy had to come and pay the school off, and he had to pay a lot of people off as well. Uh, so that was really sad to hear. And then that uh, they didn't market the league as well because I heard that Rayo Vallecano thought, why do we market anything? You know what I mean? Because uh, in Spain, they just opened the gates. They've been there for like hundreds of years and so on, and people just walk through the doors. Also, he said the league is boring. He said the league is boring and it needs to be more competitive. So he sort of threw, threw out some ideas and the ideas were maybe if you win the championship, maybe you get like uh, $200,000, for example. And if you finish in last place, he said that you might get uh, like you may start the season with like negative four points. I don't know how that can even work. I mean, competitive wise, but it would sort of give you a kick up the backside and say don't finish last you know what i mean but uh right how do you feel about those comments and also he said that he him and the partner in Ray, in Vicano, they want to stay around for the future uh but they really want to know more about the future of the league first yeah i didn't i i didn't get a chance yeah. to listen mm-hmm. to the actual podcast but i i, I will say though that you know, first and foremost, you got to feel bad for the Rio OKC fans, um, and you have to feel bad for the players who, you know, were prom- probably promised a lot of things, and now all of a sudden reality hits, and those things are not promised. Um, and same thing with the fans. Um, I, I just, I think the league and the local owners have really learned a lesson in you can't get a team up and running in four months. I think that was just the biggest. And now you're seeing all this backlash to it, whether it be negative or positive or sending people over to do all the dirty work from Spain uh, to Oklahoma city. You know, I just, it was, I think uh, it was a nice concept in theory and abstract but then once it hit the ground running, it it did not go well at all. Um, and but the thing is though, is Rio KC is one of the most talented teams we may ever see, or we have we have seen uh, since the NASL started. Uh, I mean, they have they are just unbelievable to watch in what they can do and how they can do it. Um, and I mean, they're still pushing for a playoff spot, so. You got to give credit to the players um, and to the um, their their new coach for really coming into uncharted territory and really an uneasy situation, a difficult situation, and they've been able to succeed in it. So tip of the cap to them. Um, as far as the competition stuff goes, just based off what you just said, John, I, I mean I think that happens in every league. I, you know, there's always a competition committee and they're always looking at things to enhance the game and make it more competitive or make the game shorter, um, you know, or if you score so many goals in a game, you get so many points. Um, there's always leagues trying to 
uh, get an edge to enhance their talent and enhance the competition um, in order to bring more fans in or to get more publicity on it. Um, so that's just how I see it. But do you think he's right? Because, like, if you win the title, it doesn't mean anything. You don't qualify for the CONCACAF Champions League. I wish you were able to because there's no pro rel. So just give the NASL uh, a slot in the CONCACAF Champions League. But besides that, say they don't give us that, maybe you give a team some prize money because I think the league needs something to say we won and we fought because of this, not just for bragging rights because that's what it is right now. It's just, okay, we won seven titles, but it doesn't mean anything if you just lost every single title. It doesn't make a difference. You're still going to be back in the same league next season. So do you think we need some type of incentive if you do win? Uh, I mean, uh, as in terms of being promoted or relegated? No, 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 not pro-rel, but just like staying in the NASL, but you get some some type of reward. So say maybe if uh, we get a CONCACAF Champions League slot, I would be so excited for that one, but it would probably take a couple more years of sort of consistency with teams. Uh, but maybe just prize money, for example. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't. I, the only way I think uh, an ASL team is going to uh, get a Concacaf spot is if they win the U.S. Open Cup. Um, but I just think financially, I don't think teams can really compete um, in the Concacaf from the NASL. Um, and I know, I'm sure pro rel people are just jumping all over on that statement. But, I mean, I, just, I can't see a team like FC Edmonton, for example, travel all the way down to Mexico, wow. back up to Edmonton, back to, from Edmonton all the way to, um, you know, Trinidad, Tobago. I, I just, I can't. So, yeah, I do, I do see, you know, there should be some incentive, yes. Um, I'm sure there is um, some sort of financial uh, or monetary gains from winning the championship um, whether that be from the league or ticket sales or merchandise, I'm sure there are corporate sales. I'm sure there is. We just don't know about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I mean, you know, you ask fans in Indy about the Indy 11 winning the league and, and people like uh, uh, capital T-E-D saying it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it does. It means a lot to a lot of fans and a lot of people here who have, always dreamed about having a soccer team here in Indianapolis and have seen those dreams come and go um, with the change of the, of the wind. You know, I, I mean, we've had so many pro soccer teams here um, and yet my generation hasn't really been able to um, actually um, been able to uh, accept it and enjoy it. Um, so, you know, and you talk to fans in Edmonton, I'm sure they say the same thing. You know, we are in the Siberia of soccer up here, um, and yet we're able to have a winning culture and a winning team, and we made the playoffs. So, I mean, I, I think there's a difference between uh, fan bases, but I, I think the ultimate goal is we really don't care. A championship is a championship it doesn't matter what level, it's still hard to do. Um, and I think a lot of times those people that say, well, you know, they don't get rewarded for it. I, I don't think they've ever been on an actual championship team and realize how hard it is to win at every level, whether that's uh, amateur, uh, collegiate, 
uh, semi-pro or pro. Or pro. Yeah, for sure. It, like I remember the um, the Cosmos Championship night. It was like the best night ever, like the best Cosmos match ever. Uh, I mean, right. even if they would have lost, it was just a, just a great atmosphere, and it just felt like there was something in the air that's never there at Hofstra anymore. But uh, the last thing that they said about Ray OKC, he said that the biggest mistake they made was that they were not on the ground for the season. They were probably there for like preseason or whatever, like to announce the team. And then they jetted back off to Spain and they let the managing partners in Oklahoma run the club into the ground. And, and he said that's the one problem that he has, that they weren't there for the season. So that's a sad point. Yeah, and but, I, I think yeah. we just have to take that with a grain of salt because that could be he said, she said kind of deal where, you know, the ownership group locally was – doing a good job or they weren't doing a good job, but that's just the opinion of Rio Viacano and how they see things done in Spain compared to the United States. You know what I mean? Yeah. And also the last thing he said that they gave out too many tickets for free. And he said that if you want to come in the stadium and he said, there's like maybe over 10 times, if you want to come into the stadium, it's $12. If you want to go into the stadium, $12. Okay, guys. So yeah. don't be looking for some free tickets from Oklahoma or Ray OKC anymore. Uh, it's $12. <laughs> no discounts because they're from Spain. So, uh, But uh, moving on uh, to the last topic, and you sort of brought it up, was the final. It came out today a little bit. It got reported today, but it's been in probably Cosmos supporters' minds for a, a while it looks like the Cosmos are going to win the fall season if everything goes according to plan. If not, we still make the um, we still make it to the to the postseason to the championship, but we may not host uh, a final or semifinal at all. But uh, if we do win the fall season and if we do win the the semifinal, we have the right to host the championship final. We don't know where we're going to play it, and I forgot what, what month it was, but. It came out and it said Eric Stover and the Cosmos are trying to figure out where they're going to play the final. And this was like a couple of months ago. So that really caught me from yeah, surprise. I, not to not to cut you off, yeah. but I, I think when you came here to Indianapolis for the Cosmos Indy 11 game, I think you mentioned something about, I don't know if the Cosmos have the, um, the right to host a championship if they are able to this year at Hofstra. I don't know if that deal is even done yet. I, I if and I could be mistaken if you didn't say that. I, I, apologies, I don't remember. But I remember okay. something something of that sort came up when you were here in in April. Yeah, but there's some rumors going around that uh, if the Cosmos can't find a place to play, right, then they right. might sell the rights to whoever's in the final with them. So people are saying maybe it could be Indy Eleven if you guys make it because you guys are hosting a semifinal and today. The NASL announced sort of the dates for uh, the semifinals. So you guys are hosting one. I think it's like a Saturday afternoon at 3 p.m. Right. So it can either be the Cosmos are hosting it that night, or if we're not hosting one, it's the next day. So uh, my sort of question to you is the Cosmos are supposed to be, and it keeps like each year they're not living up to this anymore. We're the flagship team. We're the 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 best team in the league. I mean, all, on the field we are. Right. Off the field, we're just not really that anymore. 
but we're uh, the flagship team and the team that everyone sort of looks up to. Do you think it's right for the Cosmos to sell hosting rights to another team? Do I think it's right? I think it should be based on if you win, if you're rewarded to host the championship game, you've earned it and you should do whatever it takes to host the final, whether that be in your stadium that you're renting or your own stadium or uh, a makeshift temporary venue, whether that be a baseball or football stadium, whatever it is, you've earned that right and you should be able to have that right to host um, that that championship game. Uh, I mean, there's been too many people that put in too much blood, sweat, and tears for that game or for that season um, for it to be uh, sold. I, I think if I if I was a player or coach and said, look at all everything that I've done, and then we can't host a championship game, that would be a slap in the face to me. It's like we've worked all this hard. I've motivated my team and players and pushed them to the brink of exhaustion and beyond. Yeah. And we've gotten all these points and all these wins, and we've done all these incredible things on the field and in the community, and then we're not allowed to host our the championship game even though we're the best team in the league. I would see it as a slap in the face. Should uh, teams come in and say, well, if you can't host it, we'd like to buy those rights from you. Um, and if that's the case, if I'm the New York Cosmos and say, okay, you could buy it, I would jack that price up so high that I would make that other team suffer if they did agree to it um, just because of that. Uh, you know, a million dollars, two million dollars. Uh, yeah, will, will the will the NASL allow that? Uh, I I don't know. Uh, no offense to the uh, people of F, of Edmonton and FC Edmonton, but I have a feeling that if Edmonton ever hosted the NA, um a championship because they bought the rights from the Cosmos, I think the uh, league headquarters would would flip its lid. Um, here we are wanting to be a um, perennial league and a serious league in you know nor- the North American soccer le- landscape, and we're going to Edmonton at all places. Um, you know, I-, I think some some people at the headquarters of the NASO would flip their lid on that. Um, so, as yeah. as rightly so, they should probably hear for Indianapolis if Indianapolis bought those rights, um, because Indianapolis is not always seen as as that uh, d- that premier destination. Uh, compared to uh, Miami or Los Angeles or New York, so to speak, um, maybe. But you, but you guys draw the crowds. The you guys draw, draw the crowds. No, you get like nine thousand, ten thousand each game. So right, if you if you can throw this massive championship match and you can if you can promote it, you guys have like a week to do it because it, once you win the semifinal, it's the following weekend. So you guys have a full a- week absolutely, to but promote I'm, that. Thing. I'm just looking more at a an outsider's point of view Uh of would I rather go to Chicago or Indianapolis? I'd rather rather go to Chicago. Um, Would I rather go to, um, you know, Buffalo or New York City? I'd rather go to New York City. Um, Yeah, we should be the preferred destination, but we we don't have the facilities to do that. You know what I mean? But if we had a place, and maybe we do have a place, and they're not going to announce it until we make it to the final. You know what I mean? So. And, and I think it brings up a legitimate point of 
some other leagues here in the United States and around the world, their championship is hosted at a neutral site. Yeah. And it's based on bids or um, a national stadium, whereas London has the FA Cup uh, at Wembley Stadium every yeah. year, and they have all their premier titles at Wembley Stadium except for the Premier League. Um, you know, Super Bowl has a, a, a host city every year. Same thing with the NCAA championships. They have a host city uh, for their sports every year. So I think that that would be a, something serious that the NASL really needs to take into consideration and say, okay, well, a lot of our teams rent their stadiums. Do we put it on and put it out there that uh, let's have, you know, all these cities bid for that championship, so to speak, whether it be in our own teams that are already in our league or cities outside of our league that love soccer and crave soccer or have never hosted a, an event like this before and want to put something on uh, to really catapult them into uh, unmarked territory where they've never been before. You know. Yeah, and so, also U.S. soccer should – like that's a great idea and I've thought about it before but I don't know where it would be like we need a national stadium you know what I mean so uh, I re- uh yeah I, I I see that too but at the same time it, it, it's, not, it's not really States, really important the, but I think it's a good issue no it is it's a good issue but at the same time um that stadium kind of semi kind of is out in Los Angeles um, at what what's it now? The Home Depot Center, I think, is what it's called, or whatever the name okay. is now, uh, where the Galaxy play. I mean, that's kind of like the semi-home games uh, for slash national team stadium. But you got to realize that you know the United States, and even the United States is so big that I mean, you can't. You're basically cutting off majority of the people that if you host it all the time on the West Coast, you're cutting off everybody on the East Coast and vice versa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the Midwest and South, I mean, it's, you know, most people, if it's it hosted in Florida, yeah. you know, most people here in Chicago or Indianapolis are not going to travel a 1,000 miles there. Or if it's hosted in New York, they're not going to travel 3,000 miles from Los Angeles to get to New York. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I do see that, yes, but I don't think that's a big, uh, a big issue. Um, for the U.S. national teams. Yeah, so quick, Mike, who do you think is going to win the fall season? Uh, I think the Cosmos are going to win the fall season. Um, I, I think they're, they pretty much got that uh, the grasp on, on the fall season, so I, th- I think the Cosmos will win the fall. And who do you have? So it's Cosmos in the first seed, so we would end up playing Minnesota United. Th- these things could change here and there. Uh, so far, as it stands today, Indy 11 are going to play uh, and, and host the semifinal and play FC Edmonton, which that's great. So you don't have to play in the cold and in, in, in the snow and everything. And for the first time, the yellow ball was used as well. So before, so it's really cool. And well, who, uh, yeah? just to uh, probably pump the brakes there because it, it could uh, snow in Indy. In November, it could very well be, be snowing here. In when they uh, Indy Eleven host the the semifinals, so wow. so we um, we're, we I mean, don't want to sell I, the I've final to you guys. Yeah. So, I I mean, if I was the Cosmos, right, Ursel, you want the final four million dollars, okay, man? 
and he'll be like, oh, no, we want to build a stadium. So, uh, yeah, man, who do you think is going to win the final? And you're probably going to say Indy 11. <laughs> well, I, it, you know, that's a good question, um, and it depends. Obviously, Indy 11 is playing Jacksonville right now. I don't know the score, but Indy 11 has really struggled on the road. So if they have to go away uh, for the championship, um, they haven't won a, a, a road game since April, uh, April, uh, late April against Rio OKC. Um, so, you know, if they go, if any 11 goes on the road, it's going to be a very tall task. Um, if they're at home, um, I think it's almost, it's not a slam dunk, but the odds of Indy 11 winning are, are much greater. Um, so, but, it, but we'll see. Cause I mean, there's so much soccer left to play. There's five games left, five or six games left. And I mean, basically I looked at those standings earlier today, basically four through, bottom of the table except for Jacksonville and Puerto Rico um I mean they're basically out of it but everybody else is still in play so I I mean it could be Minnesota right now but next week it could be Tampa Bay the following week it could be Rio KC it could be Fort Lauderdale Miami I mean who knows it it could that fourth place team who knows who it's going to be so, Indy 11 fans want to see you guys, of course, win, right? The semifinal. And then you guys want to see the Cosmos, of course, lose, right? So, that means that you host um, the final. That means you would host the final, uh, whoever right. you'll be playing. Um, and so. I, I think it brings up a good point, though, too, is that um, I, I think teams this year compared to last year, I, you're seeing it now with the top three and. Uh, Edmonton, uh, New York Cosmos, and Indy 11, is that they have been so good at home and they have an intimidating factor um, that that has played a huge part in their success this year. And I think more than any other season that I've ever seen is that um, it's so much harder this year to win on the road. It's so much harder to get points on the road this year, um, be it travel, um, game more games during the week, uh, competitions better, but teams at home for some reason they are so much better. Yeah, they have that home um, field advantage. Friendly confines than they are on the road. Yeah, the Cosmos have that big problem this whole season, and as right. a Cosmos supporter, you would never think that. Like the first away match was against Indy Eleven, and that's where it all went downhill on the road. So against Indy, against Minnesota. It was just the worst time to be a Cosmos supporter in the month of April. But thank you again, uh, Mike, for coming on the show. Hope to have you on real soon to talk about the NASL and the future of the league. Check out his blog, Twitter, Mike. What is it? Uh, at uh, Mike? It's, it's at, yeah, it's at Carney and Indy. Yeah, okay, man. Thanks for coming on. All right, thanks for having me. We're getting to the end of the show where we talk about your opinions and the questions that you send to us on Twitter at Wednesday Pod and on Facebook, but this time it is on Facebook. So Brian Morales says, in the eventually expansion to the West Coast, is the league thinking uh, about making a, a East and West Coast conference or what the plan is if they have one for this scenario? At the moment, I, I don't think we have enough teams to make conferences, even if we add a, a handful of West Coast teams. Uh, I think a conference, or East and West Coast, I think they would make uh, travel very low. So 
you would not see Edmonton go play the Cosmos every day, for example, or you wouldn't see them travel across North America like no tomorrow. But uh, at the moment, that can't happen because we only have 12 teams. And uh, it, it's really impossible. But if we expand to, say, 24 teams, maybe 20 teams, maybe you can see two conferences and, and see 10 teams in one conference and 10 teams in the other. Personally, I, I don't want to see that because you try to be different from MLS. And if you make those conferences, you sort of align as an American league, which we are, but we're not trying to Americanize everything within the league. And two... You're just copying MLS, so I don't think that really is going to be happening. Uh, Tim says, and he was talking about the NASL. He says, uh, the demise of NASL was a BS USL plot and not real. The only thing to talk about is what changes the league needs. Uh, that should be your question. How do we market the league? What new cities would be the best? How do you get uh, Latinos watching? How do we get stadiums? People need, need to stop talking about the league disappearing. Um to to answer that and to not really go into how do we market the league and all that, just to sort of respond to, uh, and I think he's referring to Sports Illustrated is article right, and I I think he he has a point, and the only reason I'm saying that is because Sports Illustrated and they never come out and say this is what happened in week five, for example, of the fall season. They're not talking about. NASL action each single week. They're not talking about it. They're, they're not. The only time you see the NASL actually talking about positive things about this league was, if I can remember, I think Grant Wall was at the NASL final uh, at Hofstra. That was the only time you actually saw them positively doing something great. But at the moment, you're seeing them sort of put the NASL in a negative uh, light, which is not good at all, because it gives us media uh, negative press. SI talks about it. Maybe NBCSN starts talking about it, and then you have the whole country looking at the NASL like we're no good. So I understand where he's coming from, uh, but I'm nervous personally because there's rumors and there's reports that up to five teams might lead the league. Then you might be questioning. 2017 and what happens in that season so we're going to cover everything that's going on the happenings throughout the next couple of weeks the next couple of months we are going to have michael carney on the show again to help us talk about what's going on and to have a great conversation about the future and what is going to be reported in the next couple of weeks and what we hear as well so we're not going to depend on sports illustrated and people like that but we're going to try to get our hands dirty and sort of uh, get to the bottom of what's going on. So, Leo, he says, what seems clear, however, is that the NASL is settling into the lower divisions, and as Cosmos fan, that bums me out. I really don't know about that one. Uh, a lot of things have to happen for us to just sort of go into a lower division. I don't see that happening at the moment, but a lot of things that are happening is just a wait-and-see sort of mindset. Not just for the league, but for the Cosmos, is let's wait and see what happens here. Let's wait and see what happens here. A lot of things are unknown. The strikers might leave, but there's people that want to buy the team. Ray OKC, their ownership, they want to be a part of the future of the team, but they don't know about the league. We have the Deltas coming in, which is a very positive team like we talked about with Michael Carney. 
Uh, who else? The Rowdies, they might want to go to USL. The Fury want to go to USL. Minnesota United, they want to go to MLS, or they are going to MLS. So there's some certains and there are some uncertainties within the league, which is very sad, and it's going to change within the coming weeks, hopefully for the positive, but if it's for the negative, we will be there covering it. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this week's show. Like I said in the beginning of the show, I really appreciate you guys taking your time and to listen to this show and also waiting for my computer to get fixed. And I really appreciate the patience there. So thank you, everyone, for tuning into this week's show. Uh, I want to thank Michael Carney for coming on this week's show. Check out his blog. Follow him on Twitter, as he said in his part of, of the show. Also, follow Clayton Freeman as well. On Twitter, he covers the Jacksonville Armada. So if if you want to know more about the Armada, check him out on Twitter as well. And lastly, next week, we are going to have, hopefully, a big show. Talking about everything going on within the Cosmos, within Cosmos Country, and cover a lot more within the league as well. And things are going to change within the championship uh, scenarios as well. So, so stay tuned. Follow us on Twitter at One Team Pod, Facebook at the First Team Podcast, our blog, firstteampod.com. We will have tons of articles about the Cosmos future, about the NESL, and about the championship as well as everything happens. So make sure you go on our blog, firstteampod, and that's pod.com. Check it out. We have our shop as well. So pick up a First Team Pod shirt so you can support the, the podcast while the Cosmos go into the championship. 